Well, welcome to our first ever Death by Southwest fact check episode for episode one, which was, which premiered two days ago when we're recording this. It's Wednesday, the what? 14th. 14th. Um, I will say both of us are a little bit sick or recovering from sickness. So please excuse our voices or any, you know, deep breaths and sniffling that you might hear. But we thought that, I don't know where this idea came from. Why? Because we were talking about Dax and how he kind of does fact-checking episodes. Well, also my ongoing lookup list, I think, factored into it. That's true. I think you're right. Have we explained that in an episode before? I think it was when I was helping you with the other podcast. Oh, that's true. And you said, look at what's on your lookup list right now when I read some of it. That's true. Say what a lookup list is. You just go through life and then there's things that, you're like, what does that mean? Or what's that about? And then you put it on your lookup list. <laughs> Things you want to know more about. Right. Find out facts about. Uh, Rather than just Googling it right away. Yeah. 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 Also, I think a lot of times for me, it's things that I want to just do more than just look at the first couple sentences on Wikipedia. So right. yeah, it, I'm not going to do it right in the moment. Gotcha. Or I could do it in the moment and learn this much and then put it on my lookup list. To later. Learn more later. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Is there hair on your microphone? That's fine. There's always hair. <laughs> um, Thank you, Caddy. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Caddy's your old cat. Caddy is my first cat that I found. Yeah, and I gave him to Kim when I went when we moved to Greece, and Kim gave him to somebody named Otto, and then he got eaten by coyotes. It's very sad. Um, and now I have a new cat that I found two to three years ago and I wasn't planning to keep it so his name is Cat as well although we call him his full name is Catterson Pumpkin Wooderson yes Catterson Pumpkin Wooderson that's right that's thanks to Jenna and her husband (laughs) and there's no need to put that on your lookup list anyone because there's no explanation for that (laughs) that's right well Wooderson remember comes from McConaughey's character in uh, Days and Confused that's right and Pumpkin because Michael it, had named Cat mm-hmm. Pumpkin because Cat looks like a big round orange pumpkin. Right. And Catterson is just... Cool. Yeah. It's just a good way to say Cat. Catterson. So there you go. There's our very long intro to our fact-checking episode. So anyways, yeah, the fact-checking came from Jenna's lookup list maybe. And then we realized that even... Like I could do all the research in the world for these episodes. And I try to. Um, and I'm still going to miss things or Jenna's going to come up with a question that I didn't have the answer to in the moment. And um, and then occasionally I'm sure there's going to be things that we we get wrong, that we we maybe say things and 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 don't have the correct information. Um, so we thought to try and keep ourselves honest and, uh, you know, put the most accurate information out there we would do some fact check episodes just a little bit laid back and and pick out a few things from the episode that just aired and and research them further so that is what we have done and if there's ever anything that you lovely listeners um think of that you would like us to include in a fact check after you listen to an episode please feel free to contact us and say I think you were wrong about this or I would like to know more about this and we would be happy to include it in our fact check we're going to try and do these weekly we'll see maybe we should put on one of our somethings like a 
where people, you know, how listeners can put it, uh, send in like suggestions for Ooh. murders. Maybe we do like a lookup list. Yeah, list. that's a good idea. That's true. On our on our link tree, we have a Google form where you can submit a murder or a crime you want us to cover. So maybe we'll make, you know, fact check finder. You, there's things you want us to look up more. There's things you want to know more about and you could just submit them easily. Great idea. Okay, so the first thing that we have on our fact check list from episode one with Esmeralda, which was only two days ago, but I don't know when we're going to put this out. So let's, um, we'll just recap by saying that was uh, the Instagram model, 24 years old, who was murdered in Las Vegas, Nevada. So we talked a lot about Las Vegas in episode one and mentioned that Las Vegas, out of the 20 largest hotels in the world Las Vegas makes up 10 of those hotels so we went back and researched and I didn't find a list of the 20 largest hotels but I did find a list of the 15 largest hotels and there are a lot of a lot of these are in Vegas so I'm just going to go through I guess this isn't that interesting but I'm going to go through and tell you the 15 largest hotels and let's count how many are in Vegas are they in no particular order they are in no particular order Okay. These are the 15 largest hotels in the world. I'll hold the count for the Vegas ones. Okay. So first we have Circus Circus. Vegas. Bellagio. Vegas. Caesars Palace. Vegas. Excalibur. Should I keep saying that each time? Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the next one is the Sheraton Grand Macau. Not Vegas. Not Vegas. And for the ones that I didn't recognize, I wrote down where they were, but I didn't write down this one. Where's Macau? M-A-C-A-O. Look it up. Okay. I'll look it up. It's the People's Republic of China. Oh, my God. Really? How did you find that so quickly? Um, well, because it's spelled M-A-C-A-O or M-A-C-A-U. M-A-C-A-O. No, it's both. Um, oh. If this is the right one, it says, uh, you know, it's yep. both um, right. is an autonomous region on the south coast of China. Yep. Across the Pearl River Delta from Hong Kong. Yeah. On the western side of the Pearl River estuary. You know what's interesting? Just on this little blip right here, I just looked and it says, it's the Las Vegas of Asia. The Las Vegas of Asia. That's pretty amazing. I like that. It said it's on the estuary, which I just read, and I don't know what that is, so I just looked that up. It's a partially enclosed coastal body of brackish water with one or more rivers or streams flowing into it. I'm also not sure what brackish is, but we could be going down a deep hole there. So we're going to stop. Yeah. Okay. So the Sheraton Grand Macau, which is in China. Mm -hmm. Um, The next one is the Ambassador City Jam Tien, which is in the Gulf of Thailand. Not Vegas. Not Vegas. The next one is the Luxor. Vegas. Mandalay Bay. Vegas. The Wynn Encore. Vegas. Uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Ismailovo Park, one of the largest parks in Moscow which also has a hotel. Not Vegas. The Sands Kotai Central, which is, oh, weird. This is another hotel there. It's so funny. Oh, wow. I I have a note that says, considering Macau is often referred to as the Las Vegas of Asia, it makes sense that it would be home to the larger-than-life hotels, just like its American counterpart. So here's a second hotel in Macau. Yeah, second Macau hotel. Okay. Okay, next one is City Center, Vegas. Vegas. MGM Grand. Vegas. The Venetian. Vegas. The Palazzo. Vegas. I think they're the same thing, but same. Oh, should Still. I make an additional check mark? Yeah. Uh, okay, just none. No, yeah. one. And the first world hotel in Pahang, Malaysia. 
not Vegas. Right. So 10 Vegas. Yeah. 10 out of 15. That should have been about 15, right? Yep. That was 15, I That's believe. That's a lot. And so in and so I think in the in the episode, we said that 10 of the 20 largest hotels are in Las Vegas. So mm-hmm. this was 15, still 10. Same thing. Yep. Okay. Same, same. Same, same. The next one is Fremont Street. Yeah. I'm which I'm going to tell you, this. well... I'm going to talk about what I know about Fremont Street, and then you can talk about what you learned. Okay. What I know. I didn't know anything at the time. But you've been. Yeah, I've walked down Fremont Street. I knew it was there before the what's the the Vegas Strip proper today, or the new Vegas Strip. I think what I had said on the the episode was it was the original Strip, maybe. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it? Like if you're on, if I'm walking like down the strip, like the Luxor, it's a bit the off this, the way. You're not going to see it right there, but I could walk to it potentially. Yes. Okay. Um, so I think what I looked up, but I didn't write it down, is it was yeah like the original main street, main avenue of Vegas, and Vegas became an official city in like 1905. Which you may have something different. So, um. Today, it's known as like a pedestrian mall and a tourist attraction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's named in honor of explorer and politician John C. Fremont, which, again, I don't mm. know who that really is. Um, Nor do I. Home to a lot of famous casinos like the Golden Nugget, the Golden Gate Hotel and Casino, the Binion Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I read, although... I don't know, in 1977, put that on the fact check. Uh, <laughs> prostitution was made illegal in the state of Nevada. Um, oh, but isn't it legal now? No, not on the streets. So this is going to be a fact check. But like oh. the Bunny Ranch, I believe, is legal. But I remember seeing an HBO special. On yeah, that. but like in contained, some, there's something different, right? But you can't just be prostituting out in the open on the right. street you have to be in a, like a designated prostitution area right but I'm fremont sure street say, but, yeah. but fremont street apparently has a reputation for being a popular place to pick up prostitutes hire prostitutes mm. and i think i might have said this i know there's a zip line yeah oh cool that's all i got okay that's good i don't really have much more than that i have um the fremont street was the city's actual birthplace um, exactly what you said, the famous places, hotels and stuff. I did find that there's something called the Fremont Street Experience, which hosts free entertainment nightly on three stages. You're sure to find a show that makes you want to dance in the streets. Um, it also puts on a series of summer concerts. And uh, the ban on gambling was lifted in 31, which sparked a major casino development, uh, which was later known as the Strip. Yeah. That's it. My yours was more interesting. That's all I got. You can hear Izzy drinking water in the background. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Fremont Street. There you go. I've never been. Let's go. Cool. Let's check it out. So the next one, I feel like I should let you take it because it was just uh, identifying and discussing schizophrenia versus multiple personalities. Because I said in the last episode, I thought they were the same thing kind of that like if you had schizophrenia you had multiple personalities and you said no but then I remember we listened to it back and you were like we should 100% confirm this mm-hmm. that that's true which makes sense there's a million things that you could ask me I'd be like yes I know that answer and then 
I don't know. When you say it on the air, it's different. You know well, what I mean? I'm going to say exactly probably what I said the first time without looking up the fact check is they're both personality disorders. Multiple personality disorder isn't a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the label. Right. It's dissociative identity disorder. Yep. That's what I found. Which means you, people experience multiple personalities or identities alters. Um, schizophrenia is also a personality disorder with the potential of experiencing delusions, hallucinations, paranoia, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was it was actually really interesting to read about this. Um, you're right. Obviously, you're right. But yeah, multiple personality is now called, um, say it again, because I just dissociative have, identity disorder, Okay, because I just have down DID. So they're both complex mental health conditions that people often confuse for one another. Um, they have overlapping symptoms, but they are different. A major difference is that someone with DID has two or more distinct identity states, exactly what you just said, um, sometimes known as alternate identities or alters. This is not president, not president. This is not present in schizophrenia. Or schizophrenia is not the same as as dissociative multiple, identity. Yeah, it's disorder. not called multiple personality. It used to be called multiple it personality. Did. It used to be. That's what that's what I have in my notes. It says a person with schizophrenia doesn't have two different personalities. Instead, they have false ideas or have lost touch with reality. Having multiple personalities is kind of unrelated, is what my notes say. Who knows? Um, neither condition has one definitive cause, but. DID is associated with trauma, while schizophrenia is often more associated with genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, most people with DID have a history of severe childhood trauma. An estimated 90% of people actually, you know, again, who knows if, if this is accurate. This is just kind of some, you know, I know there's a million different statistics and facts. but Well, and I think um, like most, especially personality disorders, Sure, some from what I know are more attributed to genetic components versus um, childhood trauma. And overall, most of them could have uh, nature and nurture contributing factors. And I think if you if you anyone thinks about dissociative identity disorder, having multiple personalities, some of those different alters or different personalities maybe served a purpose during the span of their childhood trauma as a way like survival skills not that anyone any child or adolescent consciously uh, conjures them up but they develop as a way to psychologically survive whatever trauma or abuse they're uh, experiencing that's exactly what i have is that the condition can arise when a child disassociates as a defense mechanism to escape an intolerable reality. And what this reminded me of is remember we watched that Casey Anthony thing Mm -hmm. and like she was saying like that even as an adult, she just lied for like no reason. She would just lie and like kind of create these like somewhat based in truth, but not totally truthful scenarios and life experiences and things. And she would lie about things as an adult that actually didn't matter. That didn't Didn't matter. Like quote unquote warrant a lie. She didn't need to lie about but it was just a habit that she had formed when she was a child because she was abused as a child. And so that became, she had to escape that reality. She had to lie about her reality and form a new one. So that like really, I mean, terrible and tragic, but it's, it makes sense. Like I can logically like that, that makes sense to me that people, somebody would do that, even not knowingly do that. Their brain would just do that. Well, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. As a kid or teen, yeah, you don't knowingly do it. And also I think there are things that we, used to cope we develop as children or adolescents 
that serve a you know purpose as kids or adolescents that as we grow up no longer serve a purpose because we right. have different ways of coping yeah like when I throw a tantrum as an adult whatever that looks like that might be you know my old way of coping popping sure. up because totally. it did serve a purpose and then no longer does but it's kind of uh habit now or ingrained oh my god i have so many things like that i'm not going to share them because they're terribly embarrassing and terrible but there are not so many but there are definitely instances in my adulthood i can think of several recently where i like act a certain way and it's not necessarily an appropriate way to act as an adult but it just it is my knee-jerk reaction and in all truth, like maybe if I've had a few drinks, that knee-jerk reaction comes out more easily. Well, yeah, because you, you then thinking like a clear, you can't have your logical adult. brain right. as much. Yeah, right, right. Okay, that was that was the the kind of overall on that one. We're gonna get into another heavy one right now. Whoa. Um, so this one is, I want to preface this one by saying that there is so many conflicting opinions on this, and I, I I'm gonna. I don't know. So I'm going to choose to take no opinion and just kind of share what I found. Well, and uh, that's cool. Okay. I appreciate you saying that. And also, I think like with this one, it is, I mean, like who makes the hard and fast rules on this? Exactly. I think if you identify as a sex worker, prostitute, stripper, right. uh, um, cam girl, person, uh, you know, anything, it's up to you how how, how, how you, you define that, define it and understand it Agreed. and all of that. That's and that's actually that's perfect. That's the perfect way to say it, because I, I don't have an opinion because I am not one of these things at the moment. Um, and so I don't necessarily feel like that's my place to say, but I will share. We, I, we did find an article that was interesting. It, it, it took a lot of different perspectives from different people in the sex work community, I guess. Um, so uh, here are a few different ideas on this. A sex worker versus a prostitute versus a stripper. Um, one uh, article said a prostitute leaves after you have sex. A stripper asks you to leave before you have sex. Okay, that seems kind of like a cut and dry black and white answer to me. Um, Sex workers are adults who receive money or goods in exchange for consensual sexual services or erotic performances, either regularly or occasionally. That seems reasonable as well Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I like this. The term sex worker recognizes that sex work is work, which, duh, I would (laughs) assume, um, a lot of times hard work, it seems. I would imagine Challenging, Think yeah. about like, I, I mean, realistically, think about some sex acts that you just do with your partner that feels sometimes like work. Mm-hmm. And it's not actual sex work. It's just relationship work. <laughs> <laughs> relationship worker. Um, and then this says prostitution, on the other hand, has connotations of criminality and immortality, which I don't know if, if that's, I, I guess... Our, it, society has kind of like created that. Yeah, because yeah. they made it illegal. Yeah. Just like if uh, or in the times of prohibition, alcohol consumption was, you know, um, immoral and criminal. Right. And then it wasn't. Right. Maybe it will be again one day. So let's hope not. Oh, my gosh. Bite your tongue. <laughs> um, so it says many people who sell sexual services prefer the term sex worker and find prostitute demeaning and stigmatizing, um, which contributes to prostitutes being excluded from health legal and social services that all that that is unfortunate because 
it seems like they're very similarly the same thing. It's just the fucking term that has been criminalized. Well, so now I wonder, does that mean if you are categorized as a sex worker that makes you more likely to be able to access health services? I doubt it. Right. Our country's so judgy. Well, I, thank you, because I was thinking that too. On If we ever did a second fact check of this episode, mm-hmm. which I could do a hundred of each, <laughs> uh, what about where places where um, sex work or prostitution is legal. is legal and what does their access to services look like? I'm assuming quite a bit more than here. Also, of course, that brings in universal health care and all that stuff. Yeah, that's so, a big, big yeah. conversation. Oh. Um, so, okay. So this is what I wanted to get to. There's a couple other things, but I, I, we got into a couple opinions um, of of different people who do who who work in sex work. So one person's opinion was she said, "I believe that sex work is when you have a job that stimulates sexual thoughts in a person mentally or physically. Some sex work is mental, like dancing in a strip club, posing for Playboy, or writing dirty stories. Other sex work is physical, like being a porn star or a prostitute." I worked in a dungeon as a dominatrix way before I had even had sex. And she says, when I say before I had sex, I mean before I lost my virginity. If your intent is to stir up sexual thoughts, you are a sex worker. On the other hand, I do not believe if you are a nude model at an art school that you are a sex worker because the job of nude modeling in that context is to be a human subject, not a sexual object. And I I kind of agree with all that. I also think that is an incredibly deep and very um, nuanced opinion that I think a lot of people would wouldn't agree with. Perhaps I don't know why I breathed so heavily in there. Well, which part would they? Well, I guess you can't speak to which part, but I hear what you're saying. I also like all of it. I do too. And also, it doesn't matter if I like it or not. It's just True. this person's opinion. Yeah. Another opinion was. Uh, This woman said, anything erotic between two consenting adults that has a financial transaction attached to it is going to fall under sex work. I like that. I think that's a very straightforward definition. Um, She said, so phone sex? Yes. Nude modeling? Maybe. Certain kinds of massage? Surely. Because true. Think about it. Like massage with a happy ending, which definitely exists and happens. That's sex work. Well, and I also think sometimes people can get aroused or feel an erotic sensation even if the intent isn't to create that from a regulation massage oh i definitely have still money's being exchanged but that's not but i wouldn't but like if i go to like massage envy and get a massage and i get like a little turned you're not gonna let them know that or try and take it further of course not and i wouldn't consider them a sex worker me neither i'd consider them a masseuse sure Right. And it's so, just your body responding. Right. Yeah. So I I do. So I think when she says certain kinds of massage, I'm assuming she means with the intent to arouse and completion. Yeah. Or not way. even completion. Yeah. Just arouse. Arouse. Like, yeah, that's, that's the true. goal. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I'm going I'm to say one or two more things in this and then we'll move on. But uh, this is another little quote that says, for the most part, with few exceptions, not with a few exceptions, but with very few exceptions, what we're talking about is someone who trades sex or sexualized services to a client of some sort. Even porn workers do this to some extent because even though it's indirect, they're selling videos of themselves to people. I, I would, I feel like uh, doing porn is absolutely sex work. 
right? Yeah. yeah. This, you and me had a conversation about this. I think I read this to you when I was researching it. There's also a real difference between survival sex workers and people who do it as a side job, as well as between online and in-person sex workers, which I think you could get deep into this conversation. Of course, there's a difference between online and in-person, duh. And of course, there's a difference between people who feel or actually do not have other options, which I'm not sure that's that's a sticky slope that I'm not willing to go down right now. On Also, a, like people who are forced into sex trafficking and different. shit. Yeah, that okay. I think is different. I think when I think survival sex worker, it's like I can't get a job. At, I have nothing else. No I, yes, other option. This is my only option. Yep. And I don't... I, I've never been in that position, so I'm not sure it's a place that I'm I'm willing to have an opinion. But if I were to, I would say there's always another option. But I understand feeling desperate and like this is the easiest or most feasible option for me to have money now, like right away. We could get deep into this one. So I'm going to say, unless you have anything else to say on it, we'll move on on it. Let's move on. Okay. What happens in Vegas phrase? So we said, should we should we share about our times in Vegas? And you were like, no. And I was like, I was like, oh, so what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas applies here. We were talking about like, where does that come from? So apparently, what does that mean to you? Like just when you hear it, it means to me, go to Vegas, do fucked up shit you don't want other people to know about. Maybe not even fucked up shit, but scandalous stuff or stuff you wouldn't typically do in your day to day life. Stuff you don't want your friends, coworkers significant others to know about and it never leaves Vegas like Vegas is a place where you can go do stuff and it doesn't go home with you I think it could also mean all of that but forget about friends co-workers significant others I think it could also mean myself yeah let's say I don't have friends or co-workers or a mm. significant other and I go there and I do you get to be a different person yeah I get to do whatever I want or maybe yeah. I eat you know seven pizzas and then go I would to, love to eat a karaoke pizza. bar and I don't want to remember that because I look Felt like an idiot up there, or you know, whatever. Yeah, could be all kinds that's of things. True. It doesn't have to be scandalous. Eating but maybe seven, that is scandalous to me. Eating seven pizzas sounds delightful. Yeah, I'm hungry. A, a karaoke bar does not. But I would mm. eat seven pizzas and then go watch a movie in a hotel bed. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in early 2003, the tagline "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas" was introduced to the public at the forefront of a new campaign from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, aimed at revitalizing the city's image of adult freedom. Mm. Um, the advertising agency R&R Partners developed the slogan um, for the tourism department. They hope to rebrand Vegas as, as a place where visitors could let loose. Apparently, the original phrase was "What happens here stays here," and then that became. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Pretty um, similar. Very similar. And it, and what they, they say is that it describes an oath of secrecy about scandalous activities that occur when you travel with a group of friends. However, you can also use the phrase to suggest that anything should remain a secret. I mean, I like it when I think about it for myself or for like you and me. But if I think about it for like Mark or like Michael and Mark, I dislike it. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. And also... How good is an oath of secrecy about scandalous activities that occur when you travel with a group of friends? People have big mouths. Just because I say, hey, group of friends, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> I'm suddenly like, oh, let's... Um, Learn to secrecy. What was that thing where you like... Take a blood take oath. Take a blood oath. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay. Or they were so drunk, they forgot I said that. And right. then they tell their that coworker, more like you know. Me. What do you think the most, we've been to Vegas a couple of times together. I'm trying to think of the most scandalous thing that's happened in Vegas when I was there and if I'm willing to share it. I mean, 
I'm not. Well, you can share whatever scandalous thing happened to you. But to you, period. Yes, to me. Nothing. I mean, yeah, I don't think... Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to plead the fifth on this one and uh, say, let's move on to deck skirts, (laughs) which is the next topic. Reminds me of bed skirts. I know it's not as gentle and... Lovely and flowing. I like a bed skirt. So, deck skirts. Uh, We talked about deck skirts in that that was something that press christopher Presapino bought from home depot mm-hmm. on those two home depot trips that he was so stupid about and got caught on camera and all that stuff mm-hmm. and one of my favorite lines from the episode is when you say i feel like he's going to concrete her in or under the deck his deck yeah. i thought of a bed skirt probably <laughs> like he concretes her in and puts a little not a nice deck a little skirt, skirt, but a skirt around it. Yeah. Yeah. By definition, deck skirting is a barrier or quote skirt surrounding the lower perimeter of your deck substructure, which closes off and hides its underside, which sounds essentially like a bed skirt. Doesn't and it? a human skirt. <laughs> and a human skirt. It yes. closes off and hides my underside. Yes, it does. Um, while homeowners typically use this as a visual tool to match the decking material, it can also have a functional purpose like storage, which makes sense because I don't know if you remember, remember my house in Atlanta and that, that the deck, so it had an, an English basement, which essentially means from the front of the house, it looks like a one story house. That's all you can see. But from the backyard, it's two stories. And that, and that second story is the basement walk going out into the lower backyard yep um, i remember i liked it there was no deck skirt on that deck which visually for me i don't i mean personal preference but i don't think a deck skirt was needed i think Mm-mm. it looks cool mm-hmm. also even if you put like some i guess plants Ivy. grow but on the outside yeah yeah but what i see that you noted mm-hmm. is about the critters or rodents which makes sense oh where do you see that why don't you read that the last bullet point so it's not necessary to skirt your deck Mm. to skirt your deck Mm. but there's a lot of advantages in doing so so some people choose to do it uh, since having an open area at the bottom of your deck is free range for little critters and rodents to come in nest hibernate yep that's so true because spiders too so many spiders and so many little chipmunks would get under my deck in atlanta because it's basically it's like a dock on the back of your house so you'd walk out of my one-story house onto the deck and it's all one story but then the deck was propped up on these long poles because underneath the deck is where you'd come out of the basement and walk Mm -hmm. into the backyard there'd be a ton of chipmunks and squirrels and stuff that would get under the that henry would chase and i remember I remember the day that the that that tree fell on my house in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I heard it falling through the woods behind my house and it was hitting the branches. And I remember being in the kitchen being like, oh, shit, something stuck under the deck because there was chicken oh, yeah. coop around the deck. And I was like, something stuck in there running around trying to get out. And I ran into the backyard. And I'm like looking. I'm like, there's nothing under the deck. What the fuck is that noise? And then all of a sudden I saw the tree fall, 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 and then it fell right on the house. Maybe was that beneficial, though, that you heard that first to go out? Like, were you able to, like, I don't know, like, brace yourself for what was happening? Um, I was able to run 
when I saw the tree falling, I was able to run back into the house. I was not able to locate Cat. Right. But I was able to see the tree falling and think it's either going to f- miss my house and fall in between mm-hmm. my house and the neighbor or it's going to fall on my bedroom, which was right on the edge. And so I ran into the house and saw that Izzy was in the kitchen and then run back outside because Henry was outside and he was like freaking out. Like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? And I just stood in the backyard and just watched it fall on my house and into my bedroom. And I knew that the dogs were okay. I figured the cat's, you know, quick and probably Runs. got away. Maybe you'll post that picture. Yeah, I should post that I've picture. I've got a tickle Super in my throat. Cough it out. Um, all right. Lie is a quick one. I didn't know what lie was. I said it was only for decomposing animals, and I was very wrong about that. That was incorrect. But well, how did, how and why did okay. you know that or think that? From movies that, like, I don't know, from movies and stuff, I guess, that, like, when you're going to decompose something, you cover it with lie. When you bury something and you don't want it to, like, decompose and attract other animals like and stuff, you want it the to... The scent and the yeah, you particles. Want to, you want it to decompose quickly down to bones. Mm. You cover it in lie. Mm. And that's what... That's really the only thing I thought lie was used for. But I was incorrect. And I came to see that, um, well, lye is a strong alkaline liquid obtained from wood ashes and used especially in making soap and in washing. Um, What does that mean, in washing? I don't know. That's all I have. In making (laughs) soap and in washing. So maybe in making soap to wash. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, It is a solid compound, a caustic soda, which I think is like baking soda. Yeah. And it can cause chemical burns. Now, I also found that lye is used to cure many types of foods, including the traditional Nordic lute fish, olives, canned mandarin oranges, hominy, lye rolls, which I don't know what that is, century eggs, pretzels, and bagels. And Do you then, know what century eggs are? I don't. Me neither. Um, do you know what a... Oh, fuck. I'm going to forget. What's that thing that I made? The egg, the egg thing. It's oh, Scottish egg? Yeah. Scot- Scotch egg. I was just said it's Scottish. Scotch egg. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Scotch egg. I don't know if that's what a century egg well, is. Well, it's but. interesting. Hominy, we just used that for the soup we made the other day. The, oh, now I'm going to forget. Um, the tradition, uh, not a bone digus, but whatever. P- um, Pasoli. Yep. That's it. Anyways, but okay, so to cure, that means to like when... To keep it um, fresh in cold, ultra cold or hot temperatures. Oh, here. Yeah. Uh, yes. A century egg is a Chinese egg-based culinary dish made by preserving duck, chicken, or quail eggs in a mixture of clay, ash, salt, quick lime, and rice hulls for several weeks to several months. So I, but this leads me to believe is that lye not only decomposes human or animal things, but it preserves things. Right. Those seem like two opposing It does. Things. I also didn't have it in here, but I read that lye can be used, yeah, to make soaps and I want to say candles. Yeah, I was gonna ask about candles and also like you said, a solid compound as a caustic soda. So like baking soda, I sometimes will use it as a home remedy for like a drain clog. You put a little vinegar put a little baking soda and it'll bubble right up and clear that clog. Yeah, we might need to do a little um, second fact fact checking. Okay, 
Lye water, sometimes called lime water, is a strong caustic liquid that is safe to use in very small amounts in cooking, but it can be dangerous if lye water is swallowed undiluted straight from the bottle. It can cause severe corrosive burns to the throat, esophagus, and stomach with permanent damage. Okay. Oh, this one, This question says, what is lye used for in murder? <laughs> um so glad lie. that's like what a lot of Americans or people are looking up on Google. It is. It's one of the top Google searches. A lye solution can turn a body into tan liquid with the consistency of mineral oil in just three hours. Question. Ugh. Made me think of Breaking Bad in yep. the bathtub. Yep. Could have that been partially lye? 100%. 100%. Um, and Dove soap is made with lye. Oh, Michael loves Dove. That's so weird. Like what a contradictory... It cleans, it preserves, and it dissolves bodies. Ew. I feel like we could go deep into this and we're not going to right now. But Should we pause though also? like I have 15 minutes till my pitch. Yeah, that's my alarm. Well, let's pause here. All right, let's stop here. So we just talked about lie. And now we're going to move on to a much lighter topic of plea deals. I hear plea deals like, I watch a lot of Law and & Order and FBI, and today I started watching Chicago PD, and I feel like I hear plea deals all the time, and I think, hmm, I know what that is. I know what that means. But I actually, in researching it, don't think I knew exactly what it meant. I think I had an idea. Yeah, to me, and the first thoughts I have are, take this plea deal, you'll get lesser time. Yeah. So plead guilty to this and they mm-hmm. may overlook blank. Yep. That's 100% but correct. But also what benefit does that provide to, I don't know, the judici- The judici- <laughs> <laughs> What benefit does that provide to the judicial system? Right. Or the government or the, like, why do they even offer plea deals? I'm going to, I'm so glad you asked. Oh, Please cool. let me tell you. Cool. When the government has a strong case, they may offer the defendant a plea deal to avoid trial and perhaps reduce that person's exposure to a more lengthy sentence. They may only plead guilty if they actually committed the crime and admits to doing so in an open court before the judge. But um, I, I jumped a little bit. A plea bargain is what I should say first, is an agreement between a defendant and a prosecutor in which the defendant agrees to plead guilty or no contest in exchange for an agreement by the prosecutor to drop one or more of the charges, a reduced sentence or a less serious offense, or to recommend to the judge a specific sentence acceptable to the... So they're exactly what you just said, basically. They're pleading guilty to something, and then they're going to get a certain amount of the things brought against them dropped. And the reason behind it is that because as criminal courts become more and more crowded, prosecutors and judges feel increased pressure to move these cases quickly through the court system. And these criminal trials can take days, weeks, months, I mean, years, really. And a guilty plea can often be arraigned in minutes. So um, and so it, what's the benefit of it being arraigned in minutes? I mean, my first thought is money, less money. Yep. Okay. It saves time and expense to both the defense, the prosecution, the court, and the public. Um, it just it means less time spent in court. You don't need a jury. You don't have to pay people to be there the whole entire time. So it's, it's really just a, a, 
a saving money situation and time for all parties involved. Um, Which maybe allows more time and money for other cases that can't create a plea bargain or I don't know. Sure. I mean, but what's interesting is it said um, plea bargaining is very common. More than 90% of convictions come from negotiated pleas, which means that less than 10% of criminal cases end up in trial. Is that crazy? Because think, I mean, the way that, and this is the only thing I have to go on because I'm not a lawyer or anything remotely close to that. So I go off of, you know, what I see on TV. Seems like everything goes to trial. There's a million trials, but less than 10% of criminal cases go to trial. That's crazy. No. Well, I guess, yeah, in these shows, of course, they're going to show like trial cases. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Also, even cases that don't go to trial, I think, again, added to the next fact check, <laughs> um, go to still go to court where they have to stand in front of the judge with the lawyer and accept or den- deny, deny yeah. their plea offer. Right. What comes to mind also with a plea a plea deal, a plea bargain is what I hear on shows a lot of time or I don't know where else. Lawyers will say, take the plea bargain, take the plea deal, because if well, we go to trial, you might be found guilty and get and way, then more get time. way worse. Yep. And I don't know if that's I'm sure that's true a lot of times and sometimes yep. maybe not true. Well, but a it's plea- a good way to encourage someone to just hurry up and take it. Well, a plea bargain is a guarantee. So you know what you're getting with a plea bargain. Like, let's say I do something terrible. I don't know what. Who cares? I do something terrible. What about something not terrible? Something. Or I've been, even I've been accused of something terrible. And there's. What about something not terrible? Like a a drug offense, a DUI. They offer plea bargains for that too. Okay, fine. So I have been um, accused of, I've been accused of selling cocaine sure. in Arizona. Sure. And I didn't do it. Let's say I didn't do it. But the evidence there is just this ridiculous amount of evidence, you know, the way the world has worked, it has turned against me and this evidence makes it look like I did do it. And there's nothing that really supports my innocence. So then it's like, you can go to trial and they're going to present all of this evidence that makes you look really fucking guilty. And you might get 25 years or even though you say you didn't do it, you can take this plea bargain. You can say you did it and you get five years. What are you going to do? I mean, that is a, honestly. It's a conundrum for me because <sighs> if I really didn't do it, I would want to like fight. That sucks. I understand why people who really are innocent do take plea bargains or plea deals. I do understand well, that. Five years compared to 25, which I don't right, think that's is why I'm that saying I like, understand. weird. Yeah, I think that's no, like I a under- normal thing. Yeah, I understand why people take oh God, plea bargains. Totally. And also that in some ways must suck, hurt. Dick. Forget about the five, not forget about, but like the five years aside, if you actually are innocent, oof. but Ugh. I guess, yay, plea bargains that they exist because otherwise there's the potential for that innocent person to get 25 years right which brings us into a whole nother conversation that i feel like the death penalty no (laughs) Uh, i I was gonna say i think i started to have this conversation with you or mark i can't remember the other night we're like how fucked up is that that maybe i didn't do this and my the fate of my life 
is up to 12 people and their own prejudices and if they're having a bad day and how they think about how I look and how I talk and like there's so many things that go into it in a jury and they get to decide do I go free if I really genuinely am innocent it's up to their personal opinions and the evidence that is presented if I get to walk free or if I get five years or if I lose my life and spend the rest of my life in prison. And that is, I think there's a, a, a an element of like beauty to it. And I think there's a whole lot of elements of just fucked upness to that. Well, you're never going to get to that fucked upness if you're innocent and you accept the plea deal because then you won't have a jury. True. You'll just take the plea deal. But yes, I totally agree True, with what you're saying. But like I agree that hurt like to take a... To admit that you did something that you did not. I did not do this. But I'm scared that the evidence is going to look bad. So I'm going to say I did. Also, you're scared because maybe this is the first time you've been arrested. And the first time you've had to deal with the legal system. And the first time you've dealt with a lawyer who, by all means, that's your best buddy to trust in this situation. And he's overwrought and stressed and I'm not saying that's the only reason people offer plea deals, but I'm just painting a extreme picture, extreme picture of like, he wants it to be in and out. And so he's like, this is your best bet, buddy. It seems unjust in certain ways. And I'm sure in certain ways it's very just, but I don't have enough, enough experience with it to say, but it just, I'd imagine it would feel crushing. Think about people who are on death row wrongfully. I mean, again, this is another deep hole, so we won't go down. But like, wow, this is taking a dark turn. I feel like we have gone down a dark. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. (laughs) Really? Right before the holidays. This is taking a dark. We've gone down a dark alley here. So I have nothing left. I think that everything else that is in this fact check is on your fact checking. Okay. Yeah. So very quickly, I think. We mentioned, or you mentioned, that there are, what, 22,000 conventions approximately in Vegas each year. Yeah. And did I say probably what are the... I'm sure you asked that. Like, what are they or what are the most popular? Yeah. So I I looked them up and the top... Okay, so the top seven. The CES, the Consumer Electric Show. Really? What does that even mean? Consumer Electric Show. I mean, well, like, um, like electronics... Or, yeah, electronics, like consumers, people that are buying, consuming electrics. CES is the most influential tech event in the world. The proving ground for breakthrough technologies and global innovators. This is where the world's biggest brands do business and meet new partners and the sharpest innovators hit the stage. Doesn't tell me a lot about what it is, but it has to do with electronics, I'd imagine. Sharpest innovators of electronics. Yep, that's right. Okay, number two is called the world of concrete, so commercial construction innovation. So Mm. similar, I guess, to what you said only in the construction, commercial construction world. It's the only annual international event dedicated to the commercial concrete and masonry construction industry. Whoa. I can't (laughs) believe there's a whole show based on that. Oh my God, there's a whole show about everything. (laughs) The next one is magic, M-A-G-I-C. Oh, what? Wow. No, not magic like you think. Oh. I don't think, at least. It's I called mean, M-A-G-I-C, that's how you spell magic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but it's an acronym here. Oh. 
the men's apparel guild of California. I don't know where the I in the magic. <laughs> Look it up. The magic. Okay, the men's okay. apparel guild of California. Like the mm-hmm. newest emerging men's apparel, I think, is what I read. It is a high energy fashion experience and home to the largest selection of trend, young contemporary, modern sportswear, apparel, footwear, and accessories brands. Just for men? Magic Las Vegas. Yeah, it doesn't. That's they're wow, very that's weird that I came up with immediately that it's Men's Apparel Guild of California. It comes. They are very careful to not say huh. on this website that it is just for men because it shows women modeling clothes. Uh. It does seem to be male leaning. Okay, the next one is NAB, National Association of Broadcasting. So I imagine broadcasting business. Mm -hmm. Uh, JKC, Jewelry Industry Premier. Oh, the Jewelers Industry Premier Trade Show. I'd like to go to that and not buy anything. Mm -hmm. And then G2E, the Global Gaming Expo. I bet that is huge. Huge. And then the last one I found is the NFR, the National Finals Rodeo, which... We, I think most of us know what road. Actually, I shouldn't assume that. Uh, so rodeo um, highlights bareback riding, steer wrestling, and team roping. Can you talk a little bit about um, something that I feel like that pertains to where we live right here in Tucson, Rodeo Week? Yeah, I don't go there, though, because I don't support the rodeo. But yes. Okay, so <laughs> if you go to a public school, well, no, if you live in Tucson every February, the rodeo comes to town which makes it sound a little podunky podunky, yeah Yeah. but which yeah perhaps it is in a good way i don't know because i've never been they it's a rodeo and if you're in public school in elementary or high school you get off thursday friday of that middle week of february it's called a rodeo weekend i just looked up why does tucson celebrate rodeo Leighton Kramer, president of the Arizona Polo Association, came up with the idea to have a rodeo. This fiesta started as an idea to attract visitors and tourists to Tucson during the midwinter season. The large amount of visitors that came to Tucson for the rodeo is what triggered the town to clean up its act. What act? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Have you... Like, do you go to the rodeo? You can't. You, the general, you can go to the rodeo, yes, and see different events and see. Oh, it's a nine-day event. Oh, yeah. And they, I'm sure they have um, all these things, like the team roping, the bareback riding, the whatever's in popular culture about rodeos. Um, Interesting. Also, I believe they have selling of cows and things oh, i'd love to buy a cow okay but i don't i think you're thinking of it differently than it is is this a cow for meat well i don't know all of them but yes like different i think yes that's when people yes. are going to the rodeo events. they're buying a, a cow for eating or i would be milking. a cow for cuddling <laughs> <laughs> You want to go to the rodeo this year? No. I, I've i lived here a long time on and off, and I have never gone. Uh, yes, I don't overtly support it. I'm not. People do whatever you're going to do. I eat meat. I'm not. Yeah, I don't love it to think about it. But no, I don't want to go because it's going to ruin my week if I see something I don't want to see, which oh. is very selfish. But 
Do sad things happen there to animals? Well, I don't want to see people riding. Have you ever, you know, riding those rodeo holding on with their legs and like bucking thing? Like those animals aren't happy. Yeah, that's true. You know, I don't want to see that those, like I don't go to the zoo anymore. No. It's fine if people go to the zoo. I get it with kids and all that. Also, the last time I went, this lion was pacing back and forth. Oh, no, it's heartbreaking. I fucking hate it. So it kind of feels like an offshoot of that, and I don't know. No, I dislike it immensely. I agree. I support you if you go to the zoo. I, however, will not. There it is. Yep. Well, this is a really uplifting fact check. We're not done yet. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Shit. We got one more that maybe if you're going to Italy, this could be helpful. And also, I found a lot of conflicting information. Yeah, let's end on a high note here. Okay. Well, this is a neutral note, I think, which is fine. So, I said the water taxi. Why did we bring that up? Oh, because you were talking about gondolas mm-hmm. in Vegas. And I said, no. Yep. And you said you probably did one in Vegas. And I said, meh. Yeah, you probably did one in Italy. Or Thank you. Yeah. Italy. And I said, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> I sounded like such a whatever. But no, we didn't do a gondola. But a water taxi, I could not remember. So I'm going to over explain this. I can already feel it. So okay. go, go in deep. All of the transportation in Venice is via water. Right. right? Taxis, ambulance, police bus so interesting it's really cool cool. which of course we know that right like if you've heard about if you know about venice it's all on the water there's no cars no not till no not in venice proper at all because all of venice is canals so it's either walking biking or water busing water taxiing so water ambulancing or water policing or water carring i guess so um Water taxi. We got one from the Marco Polo Airport, Venice. Mm-hmm. It was his birthday, so I paid for it. It's very expensive. It should be called a water limousine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding, because I thought about how dad used to get us those limos, which probably back then in the 80s or 90s, yeah. 90s, wasn't like astronomical. But yes, yeah. so it's not just like oh, hailing an Uber or getting an Uber. <laughs> get out of the airport you go down to the airport dock and get on this what looks wow, like a crisscraft cool. which i didn't know what that was but it's like a little wooden boat half covered half open very wooden speedboat so from the airport to city center ish where our first hotel was about a hundred euro whoa mm. so hence water limousine yeah okay so that's called a vaporetto no, Vaporetto. no, nope. Oh, back no. up, back up, back up. The reverse water- the boat, <laughs> <laughs> reverse the limousine. The water limousine is called. Oh, I gotta look. Uh, motoscafo. Oh, sounds the like motoscafo. A water taxi should be called a limo. It. Yeah, a lot of money from airport to city center. Say it again. Motoscafo. Motoscafo. I like it. Uh-huh. Regular pe- regular people, right? Myself included. If sure. I'm not shelling out money and then poor the rest of the time, <laughs> take a water bus. Oh, is that like a where like like everyone gets it's on? It's like a bus. It's like a bus, but on the Think water. About a bus, a subway, even like a a water quote unquote taxi that carries like a lot of people. A vaporetto, a bus carries a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So how much is that? You think? Uh, Euro fifty. Whoa, that's a big difference. It's a $98 difference. Yes. You were living large. We were living, quote unquote, large 
for like a night and a half. Yeah. We walked down to a little dock at the Venice airport. It was awesome. You got on and then you had your own private boat to your hotel. That's right. And then they <sighs> they pulled up. Boop, boop, boop. The hotel knew because we were coming late. We got off at like 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we got there at 1030. The lovely hotel workers were there helping us off the Cool. The Motoscafo. Vaporato. The Vaporato. Vaporato. <laughs> it sounds like a coffee when you say it. Was everyone dressed glamorous? You know what? Yes, but in a I'm yes, people some people were glamorous, but everyone was what I'd say well dressed. Which not everyone, but in general. Which could mean very simple dress. Sure. But put together, I guess I'd yeah. say. Not wearing like Christmas socks and yoga pants and a tie-dyed sweatshirt like myself at the moment. Correct. Makes me feel like a slob to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're also in your home. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to clean it up whenever I make it to Italy one day. One day, we're going to get there. Our family's from there. Well, half our family's from there. Mm. Sicily, not Italy. Different places. Different places. That's right, as we learned on the White Lotus. A whole nother conversation that we're not going to get into. We'll leave you with Vaporetto and Modescafo. There it is. Yeah. And uh, this was fact check number one. How do you think we did? Well, and it also led me to fact check number two, potential <laughs> fact check number three, potential fact yeah, check number nobody, four. Yeah, but nobody's fact checking brain goes as deep as yours. So I yeah, think I most know. people will be like satisfied with this fact I check. I won't be. I know you won't. Jenna's going to do her own personal fact checks. <laughs> That's the problem. I will... That's she will get about check till the end of time. Yeah, that's uh, what should be on my uh, headstone. Um, what's gonna be on the well, headstone? Drink your drink. Drink your drink. That's Jenna's line. But that's the, the and also drink your drink and also fact check. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we did okay with this one. We'll wait to hear from listeners what you think. You know, all of our six listeners that we have right now, which we're very grateful for, and we've gotten some lovely feedback and comments. So I want to say thank you to anyone who's left us an Apple review. Um, that helps a lot. Or a Spotify review. Or a Spotify review or really a review anywhere. Honestly, we got a DM the other day that was just the most kind, thoughtful, wonderful review. And and also, and what I said to this woman is, send us the bad ones too. If we put out an episode and you're like, eh, we fucking hated this. We didn't like how much you talked about that. Like, we want to hear all the feedback. I'm not saying we're going to love it, but we want to hear it. I'm all be gentle, though, because <laughs> it is the holidays and everyone's a bit tender. That's true. <laughs> but please give us your yeah. constructive feedback. We want it, and because we enjoy doing this, but we also want you to enjoy listening to it. So we will stop rambling. Thank you for listening to our bonus episode. We'll be back on Monday with episode two. Leave us a review on Apple. We super, super appreciate that. We're going to start sending out stickers to people who leave us Apple reviews. And um, thanks for listening. Good night and good luck. There you go. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.